Welcome to our C3 Grow podcast. Wherever you are today, we hope that this message encourages you. We'd love to see you in person at one of our three locations, Howick, Ormiston, and Suva. Visit c3grow.org for details. So this morning, uh, it's my pleasure to be continuing on our series. We've only got two weeks left, uh, and then we're into Christmas. Woo! Uh, Personally, I love Christmas. You're probably going to get sick of me saying that over the next month or so. Uh, I love Christmas. I'm I'm there now in my mind. Uh, So get excited. It's going to be awesome. Uh, So two more uh, series of The New Life. And my key passage of Scripture this morning, we've been working our way uh, through Ephesians 4 and 5, looking at the new life that we are called into. And I am up to Ephesians 5, 18 and 19 is what we're going to be looking at this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, you can turn there now, Ephesians 5, 18 to 19. So in the NIV, it reads like this, Do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. So that is our passage of Scripture this morning. And I would like to begin, uh, as you would, at the beginning. So the first sentence here says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. So it's worth stating, in case you've never heard it stated before, Christians are not to be given to drunkenness. We are instead to be filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces in us one of the beautiful fruits of the Spirit is self-control. And that enables us to make good, godly, wise decisions, which is important. So there's actually quite a few verses uh, in the Bible which talk about Christians avoiding drunkenness. This isn't the only passage. Romans 13, 13 says, Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. And again, Titus 2, verse 3. Likewise, Sorry. Teach the older woman. I fit into that category. Soon, December, I'll be 40. I figure that's... Likewise, teach the older woman to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderous or addicted to too much wine, but to teach what is good. So it's worth making uh, the point here while we're talking about it. It says in these verses... Not in drunkenness. It doesn't say do not drink. And it says do not be addicted to wine. Again, it doesn't say not to drink wine. So drunkenness and overindulgence uh, in many things is prohibited for the Christian because it leads to debauchery, as our verse tells us. And now, I I mean, debauchery is a bit of an old-fashioned word. So I did a little bit of Googling some synonyms, words with the same meaning. Uh, And my goodness, it was a huge list, all right? So I just want to read to you a few of these words. This is why, this is God's heart behind 
saying, do not be drunk. It's not because God loves rules. Uh, Everything God asks of us is for our own good, for our own building up. So this is where uh, drunkenness leads to corruption, immodesty, indecency, recklessness, shamelessness, immorality, bawdiness, lewdness. uh, And so it goes on. There was like a thousand words there. So that is where it leads. That is why God's heart says, just stay away from that. So from all of that, what I understand Paul to be saying is that it's not the wine or any other particular form of alcohol that's the real problem. Rather, the abuse of it by way of excess consumption, having too much that leads to an unrestrained life, resulting in corruption, lewdness, bawdiness, all of those things. That is the real problem. Ultimately, Galatians 5, 19 to 21 tells us uh, where living a lifestyle of drunkenness leads. So here you go, if I haven't convinced you already, it says the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's a pretty big warning there. So to close out this matter, it's okay to drink alcohol. It's okay not to drink alcohol. Being drunk is the problem and living a lifestyle of continued drunkenness is the real danger. That is really what Paul is warning us to stay away from. Uh, I think as a child, I was pretty blessed um, with great examples in my parents. My dad would have a glass of wine on occasion. My mum abstained. She never drank alcohol. So for me growing up to have those two examples, I always knew it's okay to drink alcohol. It's okay not to. And here is where we, we draw the line. We stay away from drunkenness. And I know not everyone has had that kind of example and alcoholism is a real issue. And so I also want to just take a moment this morning to say if this is an area that you struggle with or an addiction of any kind, please find one of us after the service. We would always love to talk with you, pray with you. And there are some excellent programs in the community to help you take steps uh, of being sober. So... Please don't leave uh, without talking to someone if that's something you'd like some help with. So Paul's advice uh, in our key scripture today is to instead be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. He is our helper, our power, our guide, our strength. So the question begs, how are we filled with the Spirit? Well, how are we filled with anything? How do you get drunk on wine? By drinking too much of it, a lot of it. And so it is with the Holy Spirit. If we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, filled to overflowing, we must surround ourselves in the Holy Spirit over and over 
and over again. It's not like a once and done thing. I was prayed for once, never again. Uh, We need to be repeatedly in moments of surrounding ourselves in the Holy Spirit. And to be filled with the Spirit is very simple. It means uh, devoting ourselves to the Word, to the reading of the Bible, which is authored by the Holy Spirit. We need to be in church fellowship where the Word is preached, filled with the Spirit by getting ourselves personally into the presence of God. In your home, when you're out on a walk, wherever you do it, daily in prayer, in worship, that is where you find the Holy Spirit. That is where you make time in your week to be filled every day with the Holy Spirit by coming together in worship and connect groups, praying for one another. Those things are so important. By being here every week where the Holy Spirit is moving, where we're encouraging one another. Easy. These aren't secrets. Uh, it's just the basic spiritual disciplines, as you practice them, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Prayer, reading the Word, worship, church fellowship, those are all of the keys that empower Christian living, that fill us with His Spirit. If you devote yourself to them, you will be filled. So our verse says, Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Lord. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. So let's look at what it means uh, to do that, to sing to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, and sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Well, in our services, we devote probably uh, at least a third, maybe almost half uh, of our time doing this in worship. And we do it because it's so important. We absolutely believe in it. When we participate in glorifying God in this way, the Holy Spirit moves, right? It has such a profound effect on us, on our lives, and it's, it's invaluable. Like I love coming together as the body of Christ to worship Him. I love it. You know, and throughout history, uh, music has always been used by people to express their feelings about things that really matter to them. Music is a wonderful expression uh, for things that really matter to us. And so it's not surprising then that us as Christians, uh, we are a musical people. We are a singing people. We make music and it's always been that way. And I think it's, it's obvious why, because the realities of God, of creation, of salvation and heaven, like these things are so amazing They're so mind-blowing that they're too great just for speaking about, right? How do we give thanks adequately through words? It's too much. They just beg to be sung about. They have to be. In Luke 19, 37 to 40, it details um, when the disciples, they began just joyfully praising God in loud voices for the miracles they had seen. It was like what they had seen was too great for just 
mere words, this worship just explodes out of them. They're singing, blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And the Pharisees, ah, they're so annoying. And they say to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Like, tell them to shut up. Too much, it's not the time for singing. And in verse 40, Jesus says, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. I love that. Creation itself longs to glorify God, their Creator. And we, humans, His children, it's us who have that pleasure. God gave us the mouth and the brain to be able to do that. And the reason we sing, right, is because there's, there's depths, heights, intensities, there's emotions, and God deserves the glory. He deserves all the honour. And simply saying those things doesn't adequately express it. It has to be expressed with song, out of the Spirit. So here are five points from worship uh, from our key text in Ephesians 5, 18 to 19, from what I can see. Christian singing is an expression of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Singing flows out of being filled with the Holy Spirit, which is, of course, all of us, uh, or at least it should be. And we've talked about that a little bit already, being filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God and He comes, He promises. He is here and He fills us and He moves in our lives. And it's like the Holy Spirit works in us so that we long to sing, to worship. And when there's worship, you know, not just singing, but worship, you're actually witnessing the Holy Spirit work and move in our midst. It's amazing. And to think that we get to facilitate, we get to help to enable the Holy Spirit to move in our lives and the lives of the people around us when we engage in worship and expression of the Holy Spirit. And you know, when, when we worship, so often in worship, I find for myself, I'm in the middle of worship, I start getting all teary. It's nothing new. Uh, I'll often cry in worship. Um, I'll often have like a sudden revelation about something or I start praying in tongues. That's because the Holy Spirit is moving. And I know for lots of you, lots of people in the middle of worship that they'll see a picture or they get a word of prophecy. So often those things happen during worship because that's when the Holy Spirit is moving. It's an expression of the Holy Spirit. So that's the first thing we have to say about worship. It comes from being filled with the Spirit and it's an expression of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, Christian singing is to be from the heart. Ephesians 5.19, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. So I guess the opposite uh, of singing and making music from your heart would be to simply sing and make music with your mouth and with your willpower. Uh, 
with your heart signifies that you really mean it, that you feel it, that you really deeply agree with what you are singing. So in other words, Christian worship, you know, is not, um, and we never want it to be just a religious act, something that the Bible tells us to do, so we do it. Uh, That's not the point of it at all. But it's an inner, authentic valuing of God in our heart that spills over into our worship and it governs everything, governs the way that we live. The aim of the gospel is not um, just to bring about right thinking about God, but also right feeling about God in our hearts. Christ longs to rule not only your head, but your heart too. Thinking and feeling, head and heart, they go hand in hand. And that's how we have integrity in what we do. The two have to match. In Mark 7, verses 6 to 7, he replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written, these people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. That is never what we want. Church, can I urge you, don't ever be satisfied with kind of lip syncing or lip service, but ask the Holy Spirit to work in you, to awaken your heart to true worship. So our worship overflows from a heart of gratitude and devotion that it would be from our heart. Thirdly, Christian singing is to be to the Lord, not to anything else. Uh, Ephesians 5.19, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. And I know that verse begins with speaking to one another, and I'll get to that in a minute. But to the Lord means our worship, obviously, is to be Christ centered, God centered. This means everything in worship is done towards God to bring Him glory in the presence of God. You know, with a view that our worship is heard by Him, goes up to heaven. And we desire that he would receive it, that it would be pleasing to him. So when we sing, we sing knowing, believing and trusting that our words are actually heard by God himself. It's pretty amazing when you think about it. Pretty amazing. So our worship needs to be spirit-driven, heartfelt and God-centred. Uh, It's a bit of a pet peeve of mine when there's worship songs and I feel like I'm saying a lot of I or me and I just think that's not worship. I don't want to be singing about myself. I want to be singing about God and His glory, His majesty, God exalting, God focused. That is our worship to the Lord. Worship is not the time for superficiality. It's not the time to catch up with your friends. It's not the time to quickly send a text or stand there drinking your coffee. Uh, It's not the time to be thinking about your shopping list. It's not the time to be assessing how the band's going. It is the time to focus 
relentlessly, solely on God, on Jesus, what he has done for us, to the Lord. Fourth, Christian singing is to be grounded in sound doctrine. Remember the head and the heart together, thoughts and feelings. So we're just going to focus for a minute on the head. And I'm actually just going to steal a verse from next week's sermon uh, because it helps me out. Ephesians 5.20, just one down, don't tell Steve, he's doing this next week. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I would say it's pretty hard to always be thankful and always be ready to worship God if we actually don't have a real understanding of the Bible, of sound doctrine, of the truths that we believe as Christians, if we don't have that, then I can understand, gosh, sometimes I don't know how to give thanks with what I'm facing. But when we know the truth of our salvation, the truth of heaven, the truth that we have been set free, the truth of God's presence with us, then this knowledge allows true worship and thanksgiving to come out no matter what, despite what we're facing. When we know the truth, when we have sound doctrine that enables true worship, we have to know our Bibles. Also, you know, every week in this church, there would be people who are dealing with really horrible things, with really hard things. And I think part of worshipping together is that when we worship alongside people, it's kind of like we're bearing their burdens. Sometimes we're singing if they can't, and we're kind of leading them into God's presence, reminding them, hey, there is a sovereign God who loves you, who cares for you, who is working for you despite whatever is going on in your world. That's a beautiful thing that we do for each other as the body of Christ. And you know, like hype-filled music with those fluffy lyrics about me and I, uh, they don't help the hurting soul. But true hope-filled music that comes from Scripture, sound doctrine, and our worship, man, that gives hope, that gives life to the weary soul. Fifth and finally, singing to each other. Christian singing is to be to each other. So back in verse 19, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit is basically just the clearest mandate in the New Testament for corporate worship, for singing together. It's good and important to worship God alone in solitude or with your family, but it's also so important to worship God with others. He calls us to sing to Him in the presence of one another as well as in solitude. Both are really important for your spiritual well-being. And there's so many reasons for this corporate dimension to worship, which I kind of touched on 
one of them before, the way that our worship can encourage one another, can lift each other up. Uh, It intensifies our emotions for God. It communicates uh, as a witness. We bear witness to God and it unifies us as a community based around and built on God. There is something so unifying about singing together. You know, it's why they do it in schools. It's why they do it in all kinds of places because singing together, actually, it binds you together. And so we want to be singing together about God because He is the thing that unifies us. He is what we rally around. Worshipping together, it encourages us. Man, and honestly, nothing encourages me more than hearing you guys singing, praising Jesus. When I look around and I see someone just passionately worshipping God, pouring their heart out to Him, exalting Him in the middle of a really hard time. Man, nothing encourages me more. It's so encouraging. So can I again encourage you, make it a priority for your own spiritual well-being and for that of your family, if you come with your family. Come regularly together, together to worship to worship amongst other believers. When you come, come ready to praise and worship our God. Don't take two songs to kind of work your way there. Just come ready, come front-footed. It's such a huge reason to why we come to church, why we gather, is to worship Him together. When we come at 10 past 10, You've missed half of the worship. That's half the reason we come to church. Come ready to worship. He is worth it, right? He's so worth it. He's so worth it. And I would love our church to be known for one that is passionate about worshipping Jesus, about praising His name, singing from the heart, Singing alongside one another. Singing with our head and our heart. True, authentic worship. That's what we want. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has blessed you. For more information about our church, you can find us online at seafreegrow.org.